It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 233 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, November 24th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean, and the show is on Twitter as well, Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. Of course, Locked On Raptors is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which hosts team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd and Locked On NBA with David Locke, and you can find those all together on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. Also, please be sure to go to LockedOnRaptors.com. Uh, I wrote today about what didn't suck about the game against the Knicks. Uh, we got into that with Sahal last night and the, the what did suck about it, but we got into what didn't suck in my column that comes out after every Raptors loss on LockedOnRaptors.com, so make sure you check it out. Um, please go to the iTunes page for Locked On Raptors leave a rating leave a review it really helps out it makes it takes no time at all and it makes a difference it helps to move us up the rankings makes us more discoverable uh, and i very much appreciate anyone who takes the time um on today's show it's a crossover episode the raptors play the pacers tonight so i chatted with tony east from locked on pacers we got into Corey joseph's play with the pacers this season cj miles for the raptors uh, a whole bunch of different things, you know, Victor Oladipo's emergence, the, the the Pacers kind of overachieving a little bit, DeMar DeRozan, and what the what to expect from the game tomorrow, what plays we're going to see from each team. Uh, it was a fun chat with Tony. Uh, it kind of got cut off at the end a little bit. It's kind of an awkward finish because Tony's computer started crapping out. Um, but uh, for the most part, it was uh, it was a very good conversation with Tony, and uh, thanks for thanks to him for coming on. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Uh, we'll be back again on Monday, probably, with another episode. Uh, I took Thursday off because I work for an American company, and uh, it was Thanksgiving, so I was giving myself the day off because everyone else got the day off on the Lockdown Podcast Network, so why not me too? Um, and, uh, yeah, so this is Friday's episode. Uh, well, like, obviously, you're listening on Friday. I'm a dumbass. Anyway, I uh, hope you enjoy it. hope you enjoy the game against the Pacers tonight. The Raptors play the Hawks on Saturday. We'll talk about that on Monday, of course. Uh, we'll tee up uh, a very light week for the Raptors. They play Charlotte on Wednesday. It's their last game, or the next game after they play on Saturday. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there'll be some fun stuff to come out next week with the podcast. I'm sure there'll be some down days where we can do some more fun stuff like you did with Dan Grant this week uh, with the ranking of the top five small forwards in Raptors history. Uh, so enjoy that. Enjoy this weekend. Enjoy the games. Uh, enjoy whatever you're doing this weekend. It's a, it's a holiday weekend for, for people in the States. If you're an American listener, happy Thanksgiving and all that fun stuff. I uh, hope you don't die on Black Friday. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it. I'm going to get to the conversation now and stop rambling. Thanks for tuning in. At Woodley Sean on Twitter, at Lockdown Raptors on Twitter. iTunes, leave ratings, leave reviews, all that good stuff. Uh, here's the conversation with Tony East. Have a good one, everybody. Cheers. What is going on? It is a Locked On crossover. I am Sean Woodley from Locked On Raptors, and I'm joined by Tony East from Locked On, Locked on Pacers. How you doing, man? I'm good. Uh, last time I did a crossover, I did the intro. So I, for you Pacers people listening, uh, don't be deterred by Sean going first. <laughs> don't be deterred, deterred by my Canadian accent, um, <laughs> by my, my my words that aren't you know troubled by uh, a, a belly that's full of food because we don't have Thanksgiving up here today, so I'm not out of breath and overstuffed. 
Um, it's uh, yeah, I've been spending the day just kind of like envious of your guys' Thanksgiving. I, I kind of do this every year. Um, when is Canadian Thanksgiving? I know it's earlier in the year, right? Yeah, it's like the first weekend of October. Uh, I like it because it separates like really big eating holidays by quite a bit. I think we take it less seriously up here than than you guys do for sure. Um, I'm not even certain exactly what ours is for. It's just kind of there. Uh, but it's a good time to get together with family, I suppose, and October's a good month. I find the weather is much better early October than late November, so I prefer it. Sometimes you can have like an outdoor Thanksgiving dinner if it's really nice, um, so I prefer that. But you guys definitely, I think, go way more all out than we do, and uh, sometimes I'm jealous of that. Sometimes I just want to like make a turkey dinner at home when, when, when like football's going on and stuff, and uh, I, I never end up doing it because that's ridiculous, but... Very envious on this day for, for of, of the American way of Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's uh, it's the best day. I've ate so much turkey and gravy today that I'm going to explode. <laughs> and if the Pacers did too, they might be in trouble tomorrow because the Raptors won't have done that. Yeah, well, the Raptors have been on the road, right? So I, I feel like they, yeah. uh, they're, they're going to – they probably dabbled, I would assume, today in uh, – I guess they're in Indiana now, I suppose, unless they hung out in New York. Um, so yeah, uh, there's a game to talk about, and the the two teams are kind of interesting. And I, the, uh, to be honest, the Pacers are a team that you know I, I've watched pretty much every team this season. But the Pacers, I think, are the kind of team that I watched once, and I was like, yeah, all right, the Pacers. And I don't think I've ever really gone back to them. Um, I think it was like that early season game against the Nets where they scored like 140. That was very interesting, and then I just kind of forgot about them because. They're not really at the forefront of my imagination. Um, but, like, they've been pretty good. They have the fourth best net rating in terms of Eastern Conference teams. Their offense has been incredible. They're fifth in the league right now, uh, just a couple points behind the Raptors. Their defense has been a little more shaky, but uh, they've been really solid. They're 10-8. and eight. I was expecting them to be a lottery team for sure, and maybe they still will be, but um, their start's been pretty good. So, for me, someone who hasn't watched much of the Pacers, and for Raptors fans who maybe haven't watched much of the Pacers, like in like an elevator pitch like what has the, what have the Pacers done this season to kind of surpass expectations uh playing much faster than yeah. in in seasons past I want to say they're sixth in pace right now I don't have it right in front of me but top 10 in pace playing really fast uh moving the ball around more and the biggest one is they're the only team in the league shooting over 40 percent from three so far so they've just been splashing them in from all over the court yeah, what's going on with that? Um, right now, Victor Oladipo is at 44.7%. Corey Joseph, who we'll talk about Corey, he's at 47. Boyan Bogdanovich yeah, is at... I bet you're jealous. I bet you like that last year. Yeah, I mean, he was like fine last year. He was like 35 or 36. Like, it was, And it was good for him because he had never shot in his life. Um, but the fact that he's at 47% is insane. Bogdanovich is at 48 on five attempts a game. Sabonis is at 42. I mean, he's not shooting very much, uh, so maybe that doesn't really matter. But... Yeah, it's uh, is this something that you think is going to keep up? Because like, you know, we talk about small samples and whatnot, but we're almost twenty games in now. It's just, it's just like uh, the Pacers, just a really good three-point shooting team. Is Victor Oladipo uh, like a brand new Clay Thompson? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, I actually wrote about this about twenty minutes before we did this. Hilariously, so <laughs> I have fresh information for this one. Uh, they're getting a lot of wide open looks off their actions. Right, Bogdanovich. Almost 20% of his looks are wide open. Turner's close to 20% too. Most of his are off pick and pops. Uh, pretty much everyone who's knocking him down at a, at a pretty high rate is getting a lot of wide open looks, except for Oladipo. So his might be unsustainable, but I think everyone else's definitely can be. Uh, another a thing that, or excuse me, a reason that it's, it's working so well for guys like Joseph has been in spot up situations mostly where they run him off of, of some flex action or something like that. But right. 
Uh, an interesting trend is that last year they were 26th in total three-point attempts and fourth in percentage, and then this year they're they're 24th in three-point attempts and first in percentage. So it seems like they should be taking more, but right, whatever it, whatever it takes, they're they're knocking them down. So that's been uh, that's been their biggest key indicator for offensive success so far to me. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, The Oladipo thing is awesome to me like I'm very happy that he's kind of figuring himself out he's a 23 5 and 4 this season um and again the shooting numbers are insane from him and I I don't know maybe it's an indictment of Russell Westbrook as a teammate I don't know uh but he's been awesome so is Sabonis but like Oladipo I think kind of people were writing him off as just like a guy who's just gonna be like a just kind of a whatever player maybe not a guy capable of numbers like this like he, if you're sort of picking the all-star team today, Oladipo is probably at least in the contention for one of the, the coaches' spots, you would think. Uh, well, okay, I'm going to interrupt you to say this, though. It's funny because when I was mapping out the all-stars, for we did a pod on this this week. Yeah. Uh, the last guard spot for me was between him, Lowry, and Kemba. Huh. So that's funny that Lowry's involved in that. Yeah, uh, which, like, it's insane that Oladipo's in that conversation because, yeah. like, Kemba and Lowry, especially last season, were incredible. Lowry's figuring himself out as well after a rough start, and I think he'll probably be there because the coaches, he feels like a coach's pick to me. But, um, yeah, Oladipo, man, it's been really fun. What's been behind his emergence? Is it just the fact that he's not playing with Russ, that he's just, you know, 25 now and been in the league for a few years and, you know, has a team to himself now? Like, what's been behind it? Yeah, he got shredded in the offseason. Have you seen those transformation pictures? They're crazy. It doesn't even look possible how quickly he got ripped. And then our running theory is that uh, the whole season on the Thunder, he saw what Russell Westbrook was doing and said, I can do that. And now he's on his own team, and he's doing exactly that. He's distributing. He's the best scorer. He's been a really good defender. He's one of the best defensive ratings on the team. He's just making stuff happen by you know being all over the court and, make, and most importantly, making his shots because that's kind of been his thing is he's always been a, a decent defender. But kind of an inefficient score so none of the efficiencies there he's just ultra effective fair enough um i feel like i've been dominating the the, the flow of the conversation <laughs> if you have anything raptors feel free to fire away um uh, i want to i want to yeah. open with this yeah. i wrote an article for nba math of analyzing uh demar Derozan. yeah how how good i think demar Derozan is despite the dichotomy of of people thinking he's inefficient and blah 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 whatever uh I, I, I'm going to open and say I love people that score a lot of points on, on high shot attempts because people think that's bad. But, like, if that's bad, everyone if anyone could do that, everyone would do it, and they don't. <laughs> so uh, I love DeRozan, and I want to know what you think of DeMar DeRozan. Oh, I mean, I, people who listen to Lockdown Raptors know I did an entire episode this week called DeMar DeRozan Appreciation Day when he got named Player of the Week. Like, you're not going to find a bigger DeRozan stand than me. Um, I Not only do I think he's just really good, and even if the three-point shot has never really been there or will never be there, I think what he does and the fact that he's improved every single season of his career, like literally gotten better every year. It's the weirdest trajectory now that he's in year nine and still adding stuff to his game. Um, I, but I, just, I also just kind of like him stylistically in that 
you know, the entire league is going one way, and he's still kind of like refusing to conform. And I kind of appreciate it, although he's shooting more threes this season, and he's had mixed results there. But uh, I just, I, Demar Derozan is like art basketball to me. Like everyone else is kind of going towards like the, you know, the scientific, objective, like oh, a- analytical. Yes, this is what we want. Demar is like the artsy side, and I kind of like it. He's the liberal arts co- college of uh, of basketball <laughs> players, and I think it's very cool. Um, and the fact that he's made, been able to be successful doing, you know, pretty much the inverse of what most people would like to see from a ball dominant guy, it's been awesome. And you know, he's kind of you know molded his game a little bit more to become more of a modern player. That's for sure. And he, he, you know, this season the Raptors have changed their offense around. They're shooting a ton more threes. They're moving the ball a lot more than they have in the past. Uh, and DeRozan's like fit into that seamlessly, and he's setting guys up. Um, you know, the second half of the Knicks game on Wednesday was kind of the outlier in that he was very ineffective. But overall, I think like the last, I think he's like over five assists, like the last six or seven games, or at least six of the last seven, or something like that. It's kind of in line with the Raptors really kind of getting on a roll. Like he's been setting guys up, you know, almost at the same level as Kyle Lowry. And the fact that you can have both of those guys kind of going back and forth and playing off of each other and sort of running the offense and not just running it for themselves, but running it to get other guys involved. It's been great. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a huge DeMar DeRozan fan. He, uh, you know, I still think Kyle Lowry is the better player of the two and the more important great. player. But, like, if there's ever been a time when you could make the argument for DeRozan and I would actually, like, kind of hear you out, it's probably been this season. DeRozan's been incredible. Um, I still think Lowry's better, and I think he's had more impact. But, you know, it's a lot closer, I think, this season. And that is a big credit to DeMar for just adding so much to his game. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with all that. I think his facilitating is super underrated, like you said. So yeah. it's really good to see him, uh, as always, playing well. I, I kind of hope people would shut up about his inefficiencies. Like, <laughs> he's scoring 25, scoring 25 points a game. Uh, but the other thing I want to lead into is, uh, is a more fun one I think that you'll like a lot more. So I didn't tell you this beforehand, but I graduated from IU in May. Okay. And uh, OJ Anobi was uh, a guy I ran into at Qdoba one time, and I was so starstruck. He asked me what he should get because he'd never been there before, and I messed up my own order because I was helping him get his burrito. It was a great time. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, as he looked as awesome as everyone's saying on the internet so far this year, I know uh, he's going to be a, a popular person to watch from for Pacers fans in this game yeah OG's awesome man uh just <laughs> top to bottom he is a treat I mean he's kind of he's kind of towing the line I think he does this thing in interviews where he like knows that he's screwing with reporters and he gives them like very short answers and very just blunt to the to the point answers that obviously you know reporters aren't looking for and you would hope that a guy would elaborate more but I kind of love it it's great he hasn't OG'd me yet in a in a, in a scrum or anything like that so um, I'm grateful for that, I suppose. Maybe my opinion will change on it if it happens. But no, man, he's uh, he's just, you can tell he just kind of thinks it's a game at a different level than most rookies do. And his defense has been amazing. He like Last week, the Raptors played the Rockets. And OG guarded Harden for like 15 possessions in which Harden got a shot off. And he was 2 of 15 on those possessions. Um, and just, wow. yeah, it was unbelievable, man. Like he's... It's it, the Raptors have drafted good rookie defenders two years in a row now. Bianca Pirtle was really good as a rookie too, um, and I don't know what's going on there, but it, it's rare to see. But OG man, he's just he's kind of a perfect modern defender. He can guard pretty much anybody. He's guarded Anthony Davis this season. He's guarded Boogie Cousins. He's guarded Drew Holiday. Like 
He's just kind of all over the place, and it's awesome. And then, yeah, the personality stuff as well. Uh, for those who want to read about OG, uh, Arden Zwelling from Sportsnet up here in Canada wrote a really great uh, profile and feature on on OG and his family and sort of where he came from, and it's it's incredible. So you should check that out, uh, Arden Zwelling uh, on Twitter if you want to look it up. But um, yeah, it's uh, he's just a really like enjoyable guy to be around and to sort of have a rookie who you drafted 23rd overall, you know, you don't have many expectations coming in, especially for a guy who wasn't supposed to play until like December because of that knee injury. Um, you know, for him to come in and be good right from the hop and lead the Raptors in net rating for the, for a big part of the season so far and already is starting games and is hitting threes well beyond what you would have expected and is like starting to throw down some dunks and get his explosiveness back. It's a lot of fun, man. It's uh, He's a very easy guy to root for. And the, everything he's doing at this point is gravy. So you know, there's the Thanksgiving tie-in. Um, he's been, <laughs> it's been, it's been great. And he also, the Raptors have done this thing. Um, you can look it up on the Raptors Twitter. Before every game, they do like this uh, OG Ananobi's super in-depth statistical breakdown of the matchup. Oh, I've uh, seen them. They're yeah, really yeah. And they just scroll up, and he's like, "Tonight we play the Bulls," and it's over. It's uh, <laughs> kind of plays on his short. Uh, answers and his sort of you know his just bluntness as a person I don't know it's uh everything about him is very enjoyable at this point and I, I have no complaints and OG is a ton of fun and I'm extremely grateful that the Pacers selected TJ Leaf instead of him and all the hey, other teams like in front of them drafted not OG Ananobi because he's really <laughs> fun on the Raptors this is Jake from Locked On Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history after beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We like TJ Leaf. Uh, I think another thing we should talk about before we get into more of the specifics of this game and the scope of this game is the, the, it didn't actually happen as a, as a swap trade, but effectively, CJ Miles and it was traded for Corey Joseph in the offseason. Yeah. And uh, C.J. Miles has one of the most hilarious stat lines to me in the entire NBA. He's playing, <laughs> playing under 20 minutes a game, and he's taking over six threes a game. He's just chucking them. His three-point attempt rate is 76.7%. So they just put him in with the second unit and say, shoot, every time. Yeah, he's pretty much the bench dad, and it's great. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, he's kind of like the only shooter on that bench unit at times, especially when they've had like DeLon Wright out there. And, you know, they've mixed and matched. And But, yeah, the, for, for the most part, he's been – the most important shooter on the on the floor at all times. So like he's not even doing it. He's not getting all these shots off like wide open. Like he's not all of the Pacers. He's you know got dudes on him all the time because he's always the biggest threat. But he's you know he's shooting them from like twenty seven or twenty eight feet sometimes. He's kind of you know expanding his range I think a little bit. Um, and the the release on him is something that I don't think Raptors fans have ever really seen. And it's awesome. 
Um, and yeah, I, I'm sure the per 36 numbers will come down at some point, but for him to be averaging, what, like 12 threes per 36 minutes, it's absurd, but it's awesome. And it's, you know, really helping the Raptors space things out because the thing about the Raptors is that the three point shooters they have are very good. Like Serge Ibaka for a five, for a four or five is very good. Uh, he's about 38 or 40 percent this season. It kind of goes back and forth, but t- depending on the game that just happened, uh, Kyle Lowry's been on fire lately. He's probably up around 40. I haven't checked the numbers in a while either, but he's probably up around 40 percent now. And that's kind of where he's been the last couple of years. Miles, yeah, he's kind of the same deal. He's at 41 percent this season, and it's uh, the the way the Raptors are concentrating their three point shots. I think makes a lot of sense. And he's important for that. And just to have him on the court to be able to sort of offer that spacing is is huge because the Raptors don't have a ton of good shooters. They have some very good ones, but up and down the roster, there's a lot of guys who are still kind of figuring things out. And like OG, for example, he's been a nice surprise in that he's shooting like 37 or 38% from three. And I don't think many people expected that. And his shot doesn't really... You know, it's not as smooth of a shot as you would think, you know, a guy who's shooting 40-ish percent from three would have, but um, he's been a surprise. I'm expecting that to go down a little bit, and then, like, Pascal Siakam's been really rough from three, um, and then you've had, you know, the struggles of DeLon Wright, who doesn't shoot threes, and now he's out of the lineup. Uh, There's not that many guys who can do it, so the fact that CJ is just doing it with reckless abandon is a huge boost to the Raptors, and... I kind of like I'd, I'd like to see him play a little bit more. That 19.3 minutes a game is is fine, but he hasn't played much in crunch time. Um, OG's kind of taken up some crunch time minutes lately, and it's just you know I was expecting to maybe see him play a, a bit of, a bit more small ball four here and there because he did that with the Pacers. I know um, he hasn't done that a whole lot yet. I'm hoping to eventually see that at some point, um, but it's kind of tough to put like him and Ibaka in a front court together because that'll just be you know disastrous for rebounding. Um, but no, he's uh, he's pretty much everything you could have wanted from, for the Raptors. He, uh, Corey Joseph was awesome, and um, you know, obviously a local kid. Everyone loves Corey Joseph here, but it's uh, I think the the thing that CJ Miles offers is much more important than what CJ than what Corey Joseph offered, just because you know the Raptors were so deep at point guard. Hey, Corey Joseph is shooting a much better percentage from three than CJ Miles. That right is now. true. <laughs> How's Corey I'll doing? I'll take over here. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess I'll take yeah. over here to give the Raptors people some Corey Joseph stuff. Uh, yeah, he said it earlier about 46.8% from three for Joseph, which is just unbelievable. Uh, I talked to, um, oh my gosh, I can't, Blake, about him in this offseason, yeah. and Blake Murphy. Yeah. And uh, he told me about how, you know, Corey's just a smarter guy, and he you can really see it when, you know, Lance Stevenson's doing his thing and going crazy on the court. Corey Joseph just finds a way what, right when the defender's help, he slides into the open space and gets an open look from three. And mm-hmm. he's really good at driving and staying on balance. And sometimes he kind of dribbles the air out of the ball, but like if that's your biggest flaw, then who cares? Mm-hmm. And, he, and he's definitely the best defensive guard on the team. And I'm sure you saw that a lot last year. But I think his biggest, uh, his biggest attribute is that he's really good at both guard positions. Yeah. So I know he was super good in those lineups next to Kyle Lowry. Well, Darren Carlson is like has the same skill set as Lowry. He's just worse. <laughs> so they, they, they so they fit together really well, and he fits next to Oladipo really well as a good like defensive guard lineup, and he fits next to Lance really well because Lance plays crazy and Corey Joseph plays super composed. So you know he he just fits really well with everyone he's on the court with at all times, and he's hitting his shots, which is like was probably his biggest pitfall coming into the year. So now he's a super effective player off the bench. Yeah, I'm very heartened to see that he's averaging 8.6, 3.2, and 2.7, which I'm pretty certain are his career averages exactly. Um, so that's uh, that's good to see. How many corkscrew layups has he put down? Uh, only two. Really? Wow, that was like his uh, yeah, thing. I was told to look out for those. So. Yeah, 
Um, his defense this season, like, so this was a thing with him last year. For the most part, he was, like, pretty awful defensively for the Raptors. Um, it was only when Kyle Lowry got hurt that he kind of figured it out. Um, there was a game against, it was the first game after Kyle Lowry went out of the lineup. Uh, Corey Joseph started and he played against Isaiah Thomas. And after the game, Al Horfer said that, you know, Corey Joseph did a better job on Isaiah than anyone had done that season. So that's what he's capable of. He just didn't do it like at all last season. It was a weird season for him, uh, which I think kind of, you know, led some people to be kind of okay with the, with the move. I think, you know, had you had you had to move Corey Joseph to bring in CJ Miles a year before, maybe people would be a little bit more hesitant about it. But uh, with the fact that DeLon Wright looks so good and the fact that Corey Joseph was kind of uneven over the course of the season, uh, I think that, you know, it made it a lot easier for people to stomach to send the, the hometown guy away. Uh, but I'm glad to hear his defense has been good this season, that he's sort of fitting back into the role that people would have expected, you know, playing in those two-guard lineups. You know, I mean, Larry in the bench unit was kind of a, a thing that, you know, a lot of people talked about last season. He was just, uh, he was a big part of those lineups. Him and Kyle worked really well together. The one thing that I had an issue with Corey, you know, with was that he wasn't, you know, him and DeRozan didn't work together very well because he, like, Corey Joseph's not really a playmaking guard per se. Um, like, he's a fine passer, but, like, he was, you know, he had issues with driving kick stuff. And usually when he's going to the rim, he's kind of looking for his own shot. Uh, has that changed for him this season? Is he looking to be more of a facilitator? Um, kind of. He's not even really the point guard ever right. when he's in the game. It's, it's like if he's in with Lance, Lance takes it up more. And if he's in with Vic or – you know what I'm saying. He's just never the primary ball handler. So not really. Yeah. He just kind of does everything well. And he you know he runs the sets well and he keeps the ball moving when he catches and swings it to the opposite side and all those good things. And he knows how to come off a screen. So – you know, he's doing all those things well, but he's not like a facilitator per se. You know, you, only three assists a game and in his basically his career average minutes. So, yeah, he hasn't really improved in that regard, but uh, he's not bad at it. I just don't think he does it because he's not told to. Right, that's fair. Um, and yeah, that, that, I think that's kind of Corey's best, especially if he's hitting 47% of threes. I think that's kind of his best role anyway. Um, so I'm glad yeah. to see there will be nothing new about Corey Joseph when we watch him tomorrow. Uh, to be very much the same old Corey Joseph, and uh, that's not a bad thing by any means. Same old Corey Joseph, same old Corey Joseph, except with forty-seven uh, percent from deep. Um, is there like a an individual play that happens over the course of a Pacers game that Raptors fans should look out for tomorrow? Uh, they run this this flex play for Bojan Bogdanovic like six times a game that runs him across two screens along the baseline, and he gets a wide open corner three, and he makes like eighty percent of those. So. Uh, <laughs> Gonna look out for that because they're gonna score. Uh, but yeah, in the specific optics of this game, we we can transition to there because we should now. And I'm at 13% battery on my computer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll definitely see a lot of that, especially because the three might be the Raptors' weakest position. Right. I, if I do say so myself, just looking at the roster, so they might try to pick on that a little bit. They also run a lot of pick and pops with Turner and Sabonis being some good inside outside big man right. uh you know that makes a lot of sense especially with victor and carlson's both shooting and passing they just have such gravity on screen plays that you know they can set guys up well for that so pick and pops are really a thing that works and i i'm pretty confident valentunas isn't that great at defending in space so that might be something that uh that works fairly well where would you ever get that impression <laughs> <laughs> i didn't make any accusations i just said i'm pretty sure no so. you're 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 spot on um what about the raptors what are they gonna be looking to do um so the last three games they've run this uh like 
I think they'll just have like a big set of screen for Demar like on the three point line, and Demar will just go up for a lob from Kyle. It's very strange. I don't know where the hell they came up with it, but it's awesome <laughs> to have the two best players connecting for an alley oop. Uh, you know, three straight games. I, I, maybe we'll see it again. Maybe this is just a thing they're going to run forever, which would be good in my books. Um, but yeah, the Raptors just like if you've seen the Raptors in the past and you saw the Raptors play the Pacers in the playoffs. They've been a very sort of stuck-in-their-ways kind of team in the past where it's a lot of DeMar and Kyle. Uh, you run a lot of high pick-and-roll for those guys, but the pick-and-roll is designed to get them shots and not really you know, spread the floor for anybody else. It's more you know, get Kyle with a head of steam or get Kyle you know, a shot coming around a screen for three or get DeMar with a head of steam to the rim so he can pick up fouls or put up a 10-footer or something like that. Um, that's not really what they're doing anymore, man. It's it's completely changed. They are driving and kicking and then re-driving and re-kicking, and, and it's just looked beautiful so far. Um, their assists are way up. There's, there have been multiple games where they flirted with 30 assists this season, and you know, that would have been, you know, if the Raptors got close to 30 assists in the game last season, it was like a startling thing. This season, it's not so much that, it's not so much a thing you're surprised by anymore, which is really cool to see. Um, Serge Ibaka, he, the Raptors will try to get him going early with a lot of pick and pop stuff with him and Kyle or him and DeMar. Uh, you know, last night he was 0-5 against the Knicks. You know, who knows? It's, it's a very hit, you know, hit or miss proposition with him. He's usually either ice cold or red hot. Um, and also Jonas, you know, you're not going to see as many post-ups for him. You'll see one on the first possession of pretty much every game, but, uh, you know, it's not a thing where they're just, like, dumping it into Jonas anymore and saying, all right, go get buckets. It's, you know, he's going to set a high screen, and him and DeRozan are kind of developing a nice chemistry on the pick and roll. Uh, DeRozan's been throwing little pocket passes to Jonas, which, like, we've never seen before. Um, so that's been a way to get Jonas a little bit more involved in the offense and not sort of, you know, deviating from what they're doing to get him post-touches. Um, but I would expect with Miles Turner out there and Sabonis, I would expect this is probably going to be a tough Jonas game. Um, I know Jonas has had some success in the past against the Pacers, but I really don't think this is a matchup that's suited for him anymore. Uh, he's usually best against like the Andre Drummonds and DeAndre Jordans of the world where like they're not pulling away from the basket and he's kind of stronger than those guys and kind of overpower them a little bit. Um, so this could be a tough one, but the Raptors have a bunch of young bigs who are super stretchy and super spry, especially on defense, uh, that I think could give a guy like Turner trouble. Um, you know, if you look at the last couple of games the Raptors have played against the Knicks, they've given Kristaps Porzingis all kinds of problems between Jakob Pertl and, and Pascal Siakam in particular. Um, they can kind of switch on everything, and they have no problem guarding someone on the perimeter. Um, and I would say Turner is a little bit less of a player than Kristaps is at this point, and they've done a really good job with Kristaps. So maybe that's the antidote to a guy like Turner. The Raptors have been torched by stretchy bigs in the past because Jonas has been their only option, but now they have all these really young and fast bigs who can, they can kind of throw out there if Jonas isn't working. So I'd expect to see a lot of Siakam tomorrow in particular because he's been really good lately. He's closed games the last couple games. Um, and he's kind of what the Raptors are a different team when he's on the court. They're much more aggressive. They run uh, the outlet passes that Kyle Lowry is going to throw to Siakam. You're going to see those as well. Probably one or two tomorrow. Um, Siakam is a ton of fun. If you haven't got, got a chance to watch him before, he's a, he's a really enjoyable watch. I do like Siakam. I like his defense. Uh, my computer about to die and <laughs> I have to get going anyway. So we jump to the fun part. Uh, give me your official score prediction for this game. Oh boy, uh, I'll say the Raptors win 118-109. 
Okay, I'm going to go with a Pacers 112-110 win. There's no homerism here whatsoever from either side. Uh, <laughs> uh, where, where, can I, where can people follow you if they want to catch up with the Raptors? Yeah, you can follow me at Woodley Sean. Follow the, the podcast at Locked on Raptors. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff on iTunes, LockedOnRaptors.com. R- r- written some stuff this week. Um, and for you? East NBA is my Twitter. I don't think I'm an analyst. I put NBA in my name because that's all I tweet about. <laughs> uh, locked on Pacers for the podcast feed, and I write a bunch of places, so I'm not even going to go through it. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> go to Tony's Twitter and, and just find the find all the places that, that he's just referred to. Uh, this was fun, man. Happy Thanksgiving to you and all the American listeners out there. And uh, looking forward to this game tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.